Hey everyone, welcome to the Home Team Podcast. This is Steve Carter and I am joined by University of Texas alum, outside linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Sam Acho, and ESPN anchor, the legend herself, Sam Ponder. And today we dive into a conversation about sports, yes, about faith, yes, and about family, and of course, the Enneagram. Sam Macho, take it away. We've been talking a little bit about like personality, Enneagram, and like one thing I really don't understand is like how to do family dynamics well. And what I mean by that, um, offline, Sam and I, we were just talking to Steve just about like, you know, the guy at church or at the restaurant who just wants to talk forever and make the person next Wait, to them. Wait, can you say what you are first? So it gives okay, them some context. Okay, good. So I'm a, I'm a seven, which I, you'll have to explain, explain what these numbers are. Explain what they are. because I'm a seven is like the just want to have fun, keep everything light and happy. Let's all just be, you know, glad Friends. to be together. Yes. Like yes. health for a seven is sobriety. Sobriety of stimulation. And they're just like enthusiastic about so many all the things. things. All the things. <laughs> yeah. All the things. Yeah. Which feels a little which like Sam Macho. I love all the things. Uh, so Steve, you're at, what are you? I'm a three, which is an achiever. I'm probably one of the most competitive people that you'd meet. And No, you're not. Uh, well, come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now. And uh, let's like, you want to race here, and, you're, and you want to like, we'll, we'll figure something. Uh, I'm nervous. You know, yeah, and like, I always joke that my motto is, if I'm not winning, I'm sitting. And like, I constantly, you'll you'll hear it even in this podcast. I I'm often asking myself like. How is this a win for whatever topic we're and how do I win against these a two? A true pastor's so, heart. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> like, how do we have fun? Yeah. Like, this is yeah. a fun, fun little time. Win. Oh, and then ponder, what, what about I you? Am, so I think, I'm, I mean, I always say this like in shame, but I think I'm an eight. I don't know. I've When I take what the test. Eight? What is an eight? So, okay, the eight is the challenger. But when I take a test, I literally got the exact same numbers for three, seven, and eight. But doing my own research on myself and asking my husband, who I think is pretty sure this is a solid, <laughs> solid guess. Uh, the eight is the challenger. Defi so I've, I feel more connected to people. This sounds terrible to say. I feel more connected to people through conflict. Now resolved conflict, not just like yeah. left out there, but I feel super close to someone when they're willing to like engage and even get like a little feisty, but then we come back to like, Oh, we're all good. But I have a strong seven wing. So I, I feel some of the, mostly when it comes to like spontaneity. Like I, I don't, when people ask me like, what are you doing this summer? I'm like, what? The summer. <laughs> like, let's talk about <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. Somebody, somebody wanted like my, you know, you have like financial advisors. My people were like, hey, let's have a call like in March. I'm like, March? <laughs> Bro, let's do it next week or this week. And yeah. we're doing it tomorrow. Like, uh, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. What are we doing tomorrow, let alone March? <laughs> um, so we we're having these conversations about like just personality and what that looks like currently in marriage, you know, because I'm the guy who, like, I am that guy who just wants to talk to everybody and and just get to know them and love them and like let's hang out let me spend I'll be the last guy to leave church and I'll be the la I'll be literally talking to random people at Egg Harbor Cafe or at Target or my Uber like I don't even care tell me about your life and what you do and and so but one thing I didn't realize and maybe I'm still learning is that and maybe I mean apparently it's important according to Sam it's important <laughs> but it's like when you when I like for me when I make the decision to and I'll just verbalize it the way I see it, like invest in this person and their life. I'm almost saying no to, let's say it's like, let's say my wife and I are somewhere. I'm saying no to her. 
mm-hmm. and the kids because I'm spending so much time with them. Like, and so that's one thing where I am still sh- struggling with because it's like, okay, in my nature, like I just want to like I, I'm interested. Like, tell me more about your life. I don't even care who you are. But we, you know, is that is it easier to do that than to really sit and say, you know what, no. You're, you might see me in a bad way, but I'm going to go spend time with my family. Yeah, because how much would that bother you? Oh, it would if, kill me. Yeah, if some random person at Target or whatever was like, man, I, I tried to talk to Sam Macho, and I'm not talking about being mean. That is, that's not okay. I'm just talking about like, hey, how are you? Keep it moving, which I don't know that you've ever done. There's, I don't even know. <laughs> what is the keep, it, the keep Sam, it moving? He's yeah. like, so on the way here, I was talking to the Uber driver. And <laughs> he gave me water. I got two water. Who- <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's never a, a, a time I have been around you when you have not had a story from the previous person yeah. you yeah. were around. Yeah. Like, that is, it is clockwork. That's me, though. Like, that's like but how why I- do you think that is? Like, do you think that's more about, I'm not saying you don't have interest in their lives. I think you are interested in people's lives but I think it's also and I'm saying this because I know I've talked to my husband about this a lot because he has some of these same qualities but like it feels good to be the good guy who is the guy who stops and talks to everybody and everybody there's not a soul on earth I think who would be like oh I had an interaction with Sam Macho one time really just rude you know didn't engage with me and that it's obviously a good quality, but it also has to feed something in you that's like, yeah, I'm the good guy. Yeah, and I think, and as you're asking that question, like it kind of, you know, gave me pause a little bit because a lot of times it is like for that reputation. You know, like, man, like, I love Sam. Sam's great. Sam's so awesome. I could, it'd be hard for me to imagine them being like, no, Sam is such a jerk. It's like, no, I wouldn't be in a jerk. I'm trying to, like, my wife, she's important too, mm-hmm. or my kids are like, this job, like, it's so hard for me. And there have been like seasons, and I wonder, like, I, I'm still amazed at how I'm on time to anything because I would literally (laughs) rather just like, like, just let me talk all day. And those are like my best moments. And I think there's a, not I think there has to be like a space where that works well. Uh, I'm just trying to find it. Yeah, I think that the challenge is to be able to be that way because obviously those are amazing qualities, but only when it's not a choice between the Unless it's a desperate situation. Don't be wrong. If someone's like dying Hell. or like, hey, Sorry, like dude. tell me about Jesus. Yeah, like, yeah. Nope. nope. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, so just, there are exceptions. <laughs> yeah. But when you have to make the choice, and this is a big discussion in my home right now, when you have to make the choice between what's best for your spouse and engaging with a stranger in a very just like nonchalant, like, run-of-the-mill sort of way, I think that's where it gets dangerous. Because then what you're saying is, I'm going to choose the easier reputation builder for me over the needs or desires or connection with the person that I have told in front of God and everybody is the priority in my life. That's where it gets tricky. And, And this is, we don't often like to think about it this way, but for my wife, Sarah, and me, the way that we've talked about it is, you know, we're all addicts, right? And so some of, some of our addictions play out in really socially unacceptable ways and socially acceptable ways. Mm-hmm. You and me just happen to have very socially like acceptable, like love to talk to everybody, love to be in someone's life. But it's sometimes like Sam Ponder saying is like it, it feeds something in us. And like a, a responsible addict who struggles with alcoholism, they have to 
be quite disciplined saying, you know what, like I probably can't sit first class because I could have all the drinks I want. <laughs> or I, I probably can't go out with that group of friends because it's probably going to create the temptation. And and I think it's so hard to see it that way. But like for, for Sarah and me, she's, you know, we, we'd go out to this awesome breakfast uh, place. You name dropped it, Egg Harbor. Um, if you want to trying to get some yeah, sort of sponsorship. Oh, sponsor, right? I, I want the food. I want yeah, the food. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but, uh, but like if you went there on a Saturday morning, you were basically inviting the opportunity to be stopped and for this little part of me to be get some energy from yeah. and like and and yet I'm watching two little kids looking for my attention my wife looking for my focus and I only have so much time to give to them and I'm getting it from somebody else and and that's where we just had to say hey I don't think I'm strong enough yeah to do 9 a.m at Egg Harbor on Saturday <laughs> mornings I'm too I care too much about people and sometimes at the expense of the people I've been entrusted to care for the most. Yeah, the tough part, um, Lecrae had said in one of his songs, if you live for their acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. See, the tough part for me is like playing football, like I always got that. Yeah. That was honestly part of the, this is like maybe a little bit too, y'all started to see Go my soul there, a little bit. But it's like part of the reason I even started playing in the first place, I remember I was in the sixth grade or so, and my younger brother, he was a grade below me, and he started playing before I did. He was much more, I would say, courageous than me. And, and so he was playing and playing running back, and he would play for a team called the Lions. He was scoring touchdown after touchdown. Like, he would score like six, seven touchdowns a game. Everybody would be saying how great he was, like the little cheerleaders cheering him on. Everybody <laughs> just like, you're awesome. And I wanted that. I had no desire to hit anybody. I had no desire to know about the game, but I wanted all that uh, attention and affirmation. Mm -hmm. And so I played the next year. And I actually – I was a bigger kid, so I was actually forced to play offensive line, which in football, like, no, no offensive lineman gets noticed or recognized unless you make a mistake. And so I literally hated my life that year, hated all of it. But as I started to, you know, switch over to defense, shout out to the linebackers, <laughs> and, uh, and started to play better, I started getting this recognition, which it kind of fed this thing like, man, Sam, you're great. I love you. What a nice guy. And this great football player who was so nice and you're not even mean. And, and then all of a sudden I got released got released and I had an injury so I couldn't play and then I got released and then uh, I got picked up by a team then I got released again and now I was in this place where like nobody knew me and it was for like this few months of transition of like okay I had to work to, worked out with some teams and this whole deal but nobody knew me and it was hard yeah it was hard because like I'm used to like walking around and being the guy oh yeah you play for this team or he must whatever but all of a sudden I didn't and I was forced to be with my family as crazy and as, I don't know if it sounds bad, but it was like I was forced to just be a dad yep, and to be a husband and not this like, oh yeah, everybody recognizes me and you know, and it was like the best thing for me. It was literally the best thing. It's a holy detox. Yes. You were detoxed off of the, the stimulation that comes from being attached to an organization attached to a sport. For me, it was attached to a church that I was known and I was connected to that community and overnight it was gone. And then for some people it was like he left, for other people he stood for something. 
but I didn't have lights. I didn't have opportunity to teach. I didn't have opportunity to like pray for people. It was like, it was gone. Mm. And then in, and then in the mind, you're like, am I okay? Yeah. Where am I winning? You know, I remember this one moment, like where we needed a, a new washer and dryer. So we went to Home Depot. Um, shout out if you want to sponsor us. But like we went to Home Depot. And I actually like, used to be sponsored by Home Depot. <laughs> yes. A little toot right here from all of our people. Let it go, the podcast. Home Depot. You're not hated on them. <laughs> but like, but the, the guy comes and he, and he shows up uh, like 1.30 on a Tuesday. And I was, felt like ashamed like I was at home, mm. not working. And so like I, I, I tell him to come in and like start loading it up in the upstairs and I'm like making connections with him. And then I felt in my mind, I wanted to like tell him something about me that he would think, oh, this guy, this guy's awesome. And I like, like I could feel it like tell him you've done these things that, you, and basically tell him that you are a winner in life. And I'm like, is wrong with me. But it was just, I was detoxing. I was detoxing off of the drug of approval, drug of stimulation. And then I, it was kind of this point of just recognizing I'm beautiful and I'm broken. Yeah. And just, just lean into that. Have you guys ever noticed on um, Twitter how many athletes have on their profile former NFL, like former Texas Longhorn, former, like why, why do we do that? Like why do we so deeply desire to be attached to something else that, and I'm, I'm saying this for myself also, or like former important person in this community, former, like even if we're no longer that, like we think it, it's almost like we want people to see our like resume of like, I, hey, I mattered in these yes. places. So I should still matter now because I have, I have achieved some le level of value or importance in society. I think about that all the time because I work in a profession where, you know, you can, you can feel like you're, um, a big fish in a small pond for a while, but there's like for, for a lot of people, especially women, there's, there's kind of a shelf life. And then you're just like, Oh, that lady once who did that thing, you know, like so quickly, all of that can go away. And it's one of the things I remember <laughs> I was living in Zimbabwe for a summer. This was before I started the Longhorn Network job. So this was like 2010 or 11 and you know, nobody knew who I was. And I remember, this is gonna sound very like woo woo, but I remember the thought in my head, which I believe was from God, are you okay being nobody? And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just be real honest right now. My answer was absolutely not. <laughs> like, I am not okay, get me out of here. I was looking up flights, like trying to get Wi-Fi, like no, I don't want to like disappear into like some village somewhere. Like, no, 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 no. I need to be like, there was this anxiety that rose up in me. Cause what I realized is I, I wasn't all that interested in TV. Now I've come to appreciate it. But the job that I ended up going into was me just like trying to be somebody. And I knew I knew sports. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be like a neurosurgeon. So let me, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me stick with what I know, right. you know, and this was a way to do that, to like be of some value in society within the realm that I knew. And so I come back 
and go straight from Bulawayo, Zimbabwe to Austin, the W Hotel in Austin, Texas, which if that doesn't create some like cognitive dissonance, <laughs> I, know, I was like sleeping on the floor the night before and then I'm like eating the gummy bears out of the little bear. <laughs> 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 I'm like, what is happening? But I remember like that was like this, this anxious feeling in me that I felt for years. And I just now, these last few years have really been processing part of it. Like we've talked about a million times, like when you become a parent, not only do you start being humbled in a variety of ways, but you also um, realize your mortality more because you start realizing you're old, yeah. right? When you yeah. have kids yeah. and yeah. then they get older and you remember what it was like as a kid being like, my parents are old. Yeah. <laughs> like, they may actually die any day now. <laughs> so you start thinking about life differently. And I swear these last, I don't know, maybe even six months to a year just thinking about, okay, let's imagine, not that I want my job to go away. I, I love what I do right now. I hope I get to do it for a long time if that's what's right. But would I be one of those people who's like former ESPN or form, you know, yes. basically saying former important person, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we wouldn't say it like that because that sounds bad, but trying to assess in myself, like why is just human, yeah. you know, yeah. like by name, not enough. Like, why do we feel the need, especially in this like entertainment athlete, you know, the church celebrity thing is a whole different other level that I think a lot of people don't understand, but it is real. It's real. Um, and I feel like growing because of like social media and all that. But how do we make sure when we're in that world that we're not like attaching too much of our identity so that if it does go away, we're holding on to like my former title. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, if you don't, like I've noticed with me, if I don't slow down enough, it'll just like pop up on me, right? Like it's like, oh, I got this responsibility. I got a text from, you know, this, you know, let me respond to this text and let's say I'm at dinner with my wife. Oh, let, I got to do this so I can be important. Or these are important people who really care. And it's like, like Steve, you and I had a conversation last week of something where like I was like, I'd finally kind of just off season and home and taking the kids to school and spending a good time with my wife. And then all of a sudden I got this text pop up of like, Hey, you're supposed to be at this meeting in Los Angeles. And, and instantly I was like, okay, how do I get there? And how do I, and then I, as I was leaving the house to, to like rush to, to go get a workout in and then to go and figure out what this meeting's all about and book my flights, like something in my heart was like, dude, like not even slow down, like stop, just stop, you know? And, and, I actually started to go and I turned around and I think I called you right before I went in. Um, and it was like this thing of like, why is it that I'm like, why do I just instantly go to, I got to go and I got to please, or I got to, as opposed to even my wife was saying, you don't have to go to that thing. Like, that's not even that important. Like, what do you, you know? And I knew in my heart of hearts, it wasn't, but there was this other thing of like, well, what are they going to think if I'm not there? And I am this big, important guy. I got to show up. Like, how do you like, like I've even noticed with us, I remember when we first met, we played basketball and you talk about you being this competitive like guy. And I remember us playing and I like I'm a competitor, but I'm a set, I'm more of a set. I just want to hang out more. <laughs> um, and so I remember like seeing us play that first time and like I could see the competitive drive in you, but also there's this thing of like, oh no, no, good job. Like you'll get it next miss a layup. Oh no, you'll get it next time. Or man, you know, like how do you balance that, like being who you are, but also like not being a jerk. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, it's it's something you you I had to learn. I wasn't I wasn't always that way. I mean, I I, I was watching over the last couple of weeks um, old 
Kobe practices with the Lakers where he just, I mean, calling Nick Young, Sharman, just going off on Jeremy Lin and all those players. And I, I had that in me in high school. I mean, we, because for me, the goal was that banner that was up in our gym, that 1976-77 state championship, Camarillo High School. Every time when I stretched, I pointed at that. That's why I played. I wanted a banner. I why? wanted S. Carter because it was like, we won. We, we were the best in the state of California. That's I, and one of the hardest days for me was we made it as uh, semifinals. We lost double overtime. Quadruple double, not just. I mean, I've got a. I want, I want to be firm right now, but like, but, but, but it's cool. I mean, it's great. Former quadruple, you know. Put that on the program. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but like, it, it was it, it it was hard because I didn't achieve the goal, and I think that, and then I just I I I could find myself so frustrated because nobody wanted to win as as bad as I did. Nobody. What did you think it. would happen if you did? Um, I put in the work. And the joy was the work and the process. And I felt like my parents would see me differently. Mm. Felt like the community would see me different. Um, felt like there would just be, uh, we, we always accomplished this. Mm -hmm. And I think it proved that I was a leader, proved that I was a winner. Um, nobody, can, nobody, nobody can take my stats away from me, but nobody could take that See, away. See, that's what I love. This is what's so interesting to me because what you're describing is kind of what I was saying in terms of like, it's something to put on the resume. Yes. Like something somebody can't take away. And what is it about us that like we want that thing? Because nobody's putting on the resume like second place, yeah, you know, right, in right, this. Right. Like at least uh, most people Almost probably would. Quarter finals. I'm changing. I'm changing my Twitter handle right now. Yes. Like, former <laughs> quarter final. Yes. <laughs> yes. But why? Why do we think like? Do we think that just like impresses people? And if that's the case, like why do we care so much to impress people who are trying to do the same thing we are, impress other people? Like it, it is such a like hamster wheel. It is. <laughs> we're it all on. And, and it's, the, it's the proof that we matter. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the proof that I think in many ways we're all searching for that says, um, I'm worthy to, to live this life. Mm. Like I, I, which is it's such a fallacy. It's so broken on so many. And like in high school, that was... That I just, I, I need something. And there was abandonment issues in my family. And I felt like, man, the better, okay, real talk. Like I, I was, my, my biological father left early and it's, it's a complicated story. But in fifth grade, I read Fab Five by Mitch Album. Talks about the five freshmen who go to the University of Michigan. Jalen Rose, his story about the first time his dad saw him play basketball was when Jalen was playing, um, in the NCAA tournament. His dad was working out at a YMCA. And I read that as, as a, I, I think I was actually in sixth grade and I was way better in soccer, but I read that and I was like, if I'm the best, my dad's gonna find me. Wow. That's the real answer. Mm. The proof that I, if, I, if I get that, then I can get, get a D1 scholarship. If I can get a D1 scholarship, maybe, maybe just maybe, I'll be that one kid who hits a baseline three while my dad who I've never really met and known is like at a YMCA. Again, kids are so perceptive. They're just crappy interpreters of reality and <laughs> yeah. we're great storytellers, but that was the story. And I was like, I got to win so that he'll come find me or that he'll see me. And, um, and I think that that became everything. Mm -hmm. um, when 
once you start like diving deep in the the text and learning like no god god's with me god sees me some of that started to change um but that still was within me you know yeah the human side of that is so interesting too because to what you were talking about sam i i see these two things like marrying together because you know, we have such a desire, like if, if someone's not there or we feel like we don't have their approval. I mean, I experienced some of that as a kid. You're just constantly trying to earn yeah. your way, yeah. right? Like earn your place in their mind. And then when we do, like in a marriage, and that person has said like, yeah, you forever, you're the only one that we're like, I'm going to talk to the checkout lady at Target. <laughs> <laughs> Once we've yes. got it, we're like, oh, no, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm good now. Like there's this weird thing about humans that like, once we feel secure yeah. in like, I'm good enough for you, yes. you know, you've said I do, you've said yes to forever. Then we're back to like, all right, so how are people perceiving me? <laughs> you know, it's such a weird thing. Yes. And that's why I'm like, I need that constant reminder that like, just because you've earned someone's affection or their acceptance, like it doesn't take the work of relationship away. You know, like what I, it's so weird to me that we do that, that we default to this, like, because what is it really? It's just selfishness. You know, we're yeah. just like, even obviously it's much more pure as a child when you're, you're looking for um, security in a parent, but as adults, so much of it is our own just sinful, like, oh, I'm good with you now. I don't have to impress you anymore. You know, like, and then that's why your wife's like waiting behind yeah. while you talk to like Larry at the checkout counter. But it's true because like as, as kids, some of it is pure. But like Steve just said, like kids are real, they can interpret, they can, they know what they, they know what they know, mm -hmm. right? They may not be able to verbalize it, but they know what they know. You know, we, uh, you know, I've dropped my kids off at the little kids place at the gym that, that, that we go to sometimes. And, and like my little one, especially like, he'll just start crying and crying and crying. And I feel so bad. So I'm like, man, like he just like, I just started like dropping you off and whatever. And I remember I was leaving one day and the lady who runs it, her name's Ivana. She's great. We talked for a long time. No, sure you have. Uh, we, actually, we actually live in the same neighborhood. But I'd like, anyways, I'm not going to get into that I would story. never I, know that if I would. <laughs> but like I was, I was, I was picking him up and like, she was like, yeah, he's doing great. But she, but she said, Hey, hurry up and, and get him before he starts, before he sees you and starts crying. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you mean by that? She said, here's the deal. Like if, if he sees you and starts crying, then he'll believe that crying is what caused you to come back. Yeah. She's like, kids are manipulative. <laughs> like they know, so he's going to continue to cry and cry and cry until you come back. But you have to let him know, hey, safe space. Like you don't have to manipulate me, right? And she said that and it dawned on me. I was like, oh, adults are manipulative as well, right? Like whether it's parents or friends or bosses or coworkers, it's like, let me make you feel bad so that you... I, so that I can get what I want out of you or from you, you know, whether it's a coach or a, what I mean. And so, but it's like, it didn't, at the end of the day, it, it came to my knowledge like, oh, they're going to be okay. Right. My little 18 month old, he's crying. He cried. Like you would think he is bloody murder. And, <laughs> and then I leave and I come back an hour, hour and a half later. And they're like, oh, he did great. Look, he's just playing with it. But then he sees me and he's cry, bloody murder again. It's this manipulative like thing of like, I know I can get what I want. I wonder Steve and Sam, like, is there a balance? Where is the balance for us as individuals to like get what we want versus um, like using our gifts to help others? I think that's why the process of um, being self-reflective is so important because I would never have called it that 
before I realized that like I use conflict to connect with people. And I think for you, like, you know, pleasing people to get that good feeling because you get what you want. You get to be the good guy, you know? And for me, I get to feel like closer to people or I get to feel like I have thoughts that matter or, you know, that I am valuable internally by doing that. So if I like, you know, my husband's probably like, couldn't you have told me this before we got married? But (laughs) But if I like kind of pick a fight, what I realize, what I'm really doing is trying to connect yes. and get the good feelings of connection and intimacy that come from that. And he sees it as like, what is wrong with <laughs> yeah. this woman? Yeah. You know, and, and going through this process of figuring that out, like just some natural tendencies and some based off the way I was raised or life experiences that I've had. Because Sam, to be honest, I think I actually used to be a little more like you, like growing up, I was just like, and that's where I have a strong like seven wing, just everybody's great. Everything's awesome. You know, like I I would still like to engage with people and debate and that kind of thing. But man, moving to New York City and then living just a lot of life in my 20s and getting a little jaded and getting burned by some people and having people have bad intentions and being used by people and all that kind of stuff. Then I started to like pull everything in and almost like test people or like test their loyalty before I was willing to like really engage and learning those things about about myself now has, it hasn't made it go away. Like it's still a very much a process for me, but there's like this antenna that goes up when I see what I'm doing and I see that like I get value from that. And then it's, it's calling it out. Like, I don't know if you're like this, but I am literally sometimes like audibly saying like, you are not more valuable if you like have a better argument in this situation or a very practical example is on Twitter. I mean, I used to act, people would be like, don't engage with the trolls. I'm like, no, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Trolls, You don't understand. (laughs) Like, this is my wheelhouse. Like I would, and people would be like, like, I I wouldn't put much thought into it. I would just have these natural like comebacks to people. And I'm not saying they were so genius or anything, but in my mind, I was like, got (laughs) them. Like, like, and I realized what I was getting from that is like, see, I can, I'm not just this like thing on TV. Like I can, like you want to duel here, we can do that. And then calling that out in myself and then to what you were saying about earlier, um, Steve, about just saying like, I'm too weak to go to that place. Finally getting to the place for me where I'm like, I sure I could win the whatever, you know, air quotes, win those battles. I am too weak to go in that space and not do this. So I'm just not going to go in that space. And so I used to see, I have so many filters on my Twitter account now, unless you literally just tell me I am an amazing godly woman, I see nothing (laughs) (laughs) because I don't trust myself to not engage and, and, and just engage too hard. You know, like take it to the next level of like, now we're talking about people's moms and it's just, (laughs) it's a whole, so to answer your, that was a long-winded way of answering your question, but I think being more self-reflective, seeing the areas of struggle in my own life and then asking why, you know, and figuring out the reasons why I'm having the problems hasn't necessarily fixed them all, but at least I'm in a stage of awareness. Yeah. You know, and I think it's so good that, you know, I, I think when, even the beginning of Genesis when the man and the woman, they go, they do something and they go off in hiding and God just says, where are you? Mm. And I think that's, that those three words kind of haunt me because sometimes I don't, I don't know if I, 
necessarily have the answer. I, I could I could throw out my zip code. I can you know I can I can say here I am, but but where am I at emotionally? Where am I at spiritually? And you know I think that's where one of the reasons the Enneagram has been helpful for me because it's given my wife and I common language to go oh. You know, I I often don't know what to do with good, so I sabotage it, so I can fix it and make it better. I get like a whole bunch of energy of like, it got something broke and I was able to rescue it and make it better. And there's just this little joke that my wife and I will say often like, do you think there could have been a better way? Like, did you really need to do that? And you know, and and it's like, it's like when you're talking about the intimacy piece, like, like challenge for connection like could sometimes yeah that works but sometimes there could be another could just way chat. yeah exactly you could just there's just like there's just like, you. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you know it's just and there's just like i think just having to become aware of why and i often just say the language the thing beneath the thing but like what what's happening underneath that is wanting me to do this and and I think about, I love stand-up comedy. Um, I'm, I wish I could do it, I can't. But, but you can tell a comic who is telling jokes, looking for laughter. And then you can tell the difference between a comic who knows their content's good, but is actually saying things as a gift to the audience. And I realize like, man, so much of my life is needing the, that validation or that approval or that like, but there's something where I'm like, no, no, no. Like I've, I've, I've slowed down enough to do my work and I just, how do I bless someone? Um, it's, just, it's just different. Or not just attack so I can fix or sabotage so I can fix or hide so that you know, I can you know, get myself in that hamster wheel cycle. Um, but no, like slow it down, do the right work, give away what God's given to you. It's just different. And that question of, uh, of where are you I mean, that one hits home. I have a three-year-old daughter and I have two boys and a girl. And like, she literally has my heart. Like, I remember when I, we saw the ultrasound at 20 weeks and I saw it was a girl. And like, it was as if a new part of my heart that I didn't even know existed opened up. No yeah. joke. Yeah. And like, she does this thing. I don't know if she does it on purpose or maybe she just has this sense. But if I ever, like, if I get mad or if I'm just like, I'll, I'll get frustrated. I don't want to my kids to see me so frustrated. So I'll just like go to the bathroom and just like, just, you know, sit there for a little bit or something. And she'll just like casually in her, you know, her, you know, her name is Sophia. Sophia means wisdom in her wise little way of just go, just say, daddy, where are you? And I, I mean, I can't even say I'm in the bathroom because I'm not in the bathroom, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm hiding. I am hiding, hiding from you. Know you. What I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't want you to see how mad I am. Yeah. So, get, you know, it's like, Daddy, where are you? Daddy, where are you? And like Sam, you said something earlier about like understanding you're like you're not perfect. Like that one hit home for me because um, I forget who I we had a sports psychologist in Chicago and her name was Gloria and she's awesome. And she would we would talk about some of this stuff, about this whole idea of like perfection and trying to be the hero. And she said, Sam, I want you to try something. And I'm like, what is it? She's like, she said it's called the bathtub test. Some of y'all might have heard of it, right? So get you know, turn on the water in the bathtub, fill it up about two, three inches, and you know, and then turn the water off, right? Deals close at the bottom, and then and try to walk on the water. Let me know how well how well that works for you. <laughs> right? And she said, nope, because you're not per only one person, like Jesus is the only person who could ever have done that. 
And so, and Peter, because he, for a little bit, but anyways, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there, because uh, he started to drown. Anyways, um, but it's like this whole deal of like, hey, I'm not perfect. I remember I was doing this video um, for this church. I was going to go speak at this church, and they said, hey, can you make a video for us, pro- promo in the deal? And so we found like an area, and we were in the car, so like my wife and kids stayed in the car. I just hopped out. I gave, my wife had the phone to record, and we kept on doing like take after take because my kids were making noise in the background. And one of the videos, and it was like, it like shook me. Like I was doing this video of like just throw them out. No, seriously, I was like, I was like, hey guys, Sam Macho here, can't wait to see you. And then like my one of my, I like, got a word from the Lord. Yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> like, no. But then one of my kids was like started making noise, and like immediately I was like, hey, quiet down, right? And like I went, and, I looked, and then like I was like, right, let's take another one. Hey guys, Sam again, <laughs> you know. And then I went back and I watched that video, and like my facial expression, I was like. Dude, this is what my kid. This is me. Your veins are popping. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, this is me. Like, I was, it was uh, like this. Like, I always like. It was like such a stark example of like, hey, look at the picture I put in front. Yeah. Yes, but then take that away, and oh, the real me mm-hmm. is not all it's cracked up to be. But then, right with that whole, where are you, or the whole like, the mistake you make with your kids, or whatever, and the fact that they'll still be like, but I still love you. Like, it's like, no, no, you don't. You can't. I'm not good. I'm supposed to be, you know, like Sam, you alluded to, but I feel like once we get there, it's like you're free to just be you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, God loves me. I don't care what you think. Yeah. I mean, God is for me. So I'm free just to be me. I'm free to to talk to this person if I want to. I'm free to actually say no. Hey, I would love to talk more, but I want to go hang out with my family right now. I remember doing that the other day for the first time in a long time, right? Because I've been talking, talking. And I was like, hey, I'd love to talk more, but hey, my wife's calling, so I got to go. And it was, they were like, cool, but it didn't matter what they said because it did. It doesn't. Like, God loves me. He sees me. He knows me. My wife loves me. And even if, even when she doesn't, God still loves Even when my kids are trying to guilt me, into something, like, God still loves me. And, like, coming to that realization for me, like, slowing down, and it's still a process. Like, it's, it is a continual daily process of being like, oh, crap, like. I'm super screwed up and God still loves me. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you work in industries, and I think we all three do, but especially the Sams, um, where perfection is rewarded, right? Like on the football field, like you, you're getting graded out on stuff. Like you, you, everything should be perfect. Like on TV, they want you to be, say every word perfectly. Um, so the tendency is to make that the goal, perfection the goal. Something that has just like stuck with me probably since having kids, because I knew it was no longer a possibility, not that it was before, but is that perfection really just keeps you from connection with your kids, with the audience at home. I have never connected with more people, like viewers, than when I've totally screwed up on TV and laughed at myself and like made fun of myself. I've never connected more with my children than when I like started crying randomly. And you know, kids are so intuitive. Like Scout, my oldest, will like, you know, randomly, just like all of a sudden she wants to sit with you when you're in an argument with your spouse. I'm like, <laughs> why are you here right now? Um, but that's that creates that connection. And if you if you're still in that mode, and I, I was in this for a season of my life where you're just trying to keep up this illusion of perfection. All you are doing is isolating yourself because literally no one relates to that. 
Like no one, there's not anyone in the world. The reason why our kids are so forgiving, I think intuitively is because deep down, we all know we're a mess. Like they know they hide things. They know they, they wouldn't have the word for it, but they know they manipulate situations like that. This is the human condition. And so when you see that in someone else, it actually creates this closeness because you're like, I'm not alone. And what is like our deepest desire is to feel we are not alone. Like somebody else is in this with me. And whether it's kids or, you know, fans, I don't know that fans are there yet, Sam, you still have to be perfect, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, fans, that, listen, that, listen. <laughs> I'm not, just I, a couple missed tackles. <laughs> it's how I connect you with know, you. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Tell <to> the geo. <laughs> But that, that has helped me a ton that every screw up or mess up or, you know, sign of imperfection is really just an opportunity to connect with another human. Ah, so good. I, I, a a few years ago, I was in Palestine and was kind of doing like some like peacemaking stuff and Casual. Casual. I mean, it's like, like, you know, randomly peacemaking. But like, whenever you're gone, like, I just want something that reminds me of home, Mm -hmm. like something that will just like, and we were in this like city, I feel like it was Ramallah and, and we're walking and I see kind of uh, just a, maybe a block ahead. I, I see this color green. That's familiar. I see a font that's familiar. I see a logo that's familiar and I could feel my tongue start salivating. Like, oh my goodness. Like, it's Starbucks. And I just start walking towards it. And then I, I get right up to it and I look and it's called Stars, stars and, and Bucks, Bucks Coffee. Yes, I've seen it. And mm-hmm. you're like, Stars. And I and I'm, I remember like seeing this going, what in the world? So I go and I'm like, okay, it doesn't taste anything like Starbucks. <laughs> and I'm like, how, Howard Schultz. It's probably Schultz, illegal. Is, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You, like, you get this moment. They were going like, to sponsor us. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. And you're like. We just blew them yeah, up. Yeah, blew them up. <laughs> Destroyed their stars and bucks. I have a mug of stars and bucks. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and you think our new logo? Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz is like gotta like send them a letter someday and be like, hey, cease and desist, right? You're like you're copyright infringing. Like you were you were bearing witness to our logo, our brand, and your coffee tastes nothing (laughs) like ours. So stop it. And I remember like I just that next that night I think I was like journaling and just like writing. I just had like this crazy sense like you're an image bearer and you get to like showcase who I'm like to the world. And like, what are you pushing into the world? Is it, is it like perfection? Is that really what my image is about? Is it, you know, like you have it all together? Is that really? And, and it just like, i really just wrote down in my journal, like, is my life more Starbucks or stars and bucks? <laughs> you know? And I just, I, I, in that season, I was like, Oh man, it is way more stars and bucks. And you're so right, Sam. Like every time we are honest and human, connection happens, you know? And every time we pretend like we have and like put up this facade that we are perfect, it just creates walls and distance. So would it bother you as much if that stars and bucks had a sign out front that was like, bad coffee, but we tried? Yeah, you know, like awesome. the honesty yeah, to awesome. me, you're like, Oh, no problem then. You're not trying to be something you're not. I think that, especially within the Christian community, if we could just be honest about our own issues, it doesn't, people still know you're trying to be Starbucks. Yes. Right? We're not, we're not pretending like we're not trying to be like our creator who is perfect, but like we're acknowledging we're not that. 
You know, like if they would just be honest about what they are and maybe they are, I don't know. I've never been inside, but if they would just be honest, it would take away that like, oh, that's a cheap imitation. Yes. Like how could you bear the name of Jesus and like gossip about your neighbor instead of being, and I'm not saying we take away the standard, but like when that happens or when we struggle with those things, being able to say like, yeah, I'm an image bearer, but I am a hot mess. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 And yeah. here's where I'm here's struggling. Where, yes. You know, like, this is why I actually need saving. I think in the Christian community, it's so funny how we always talk about, like, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but we try and pretend like we don't need any saving from anything. Right. Like, but I'm great. Everything's yeah, awesome. Right, you know, right. I think that honesty and communication in, in um, you know, church circles and especially outside of it would create more connection and and grace, yeah. like what we really want, than anything else. Well, and I think I think the one of the the things I love to see in the people that I just respect so much is when they're like, "Hey, I, this is where I'm a hot mess, and here's what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. to cultivate some health and wholeness in this area." You know, it'd be like someone who's like, "I'm an I'm a I'm I'm an like alcoholic or I'm an addict in some capacity." And they just can say that, yeah, you know, but, but it's like, doing we're not doing anything about, about it. it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And so it's like, no, I think it's in that sense of, man, uh, I struggle with pride. Okay. So then what am I, what, what steps am I doing to cultivate a spirit of humility? You know, what, what practices am I putting in place? I remember Dallas Willard, like one of my favorite theologians and, and just amazing guy. And, and it, he just, one time, like there was a group of people around him and this one young punk was just going at him, going at him, going at him. And. He could have like totally destroyed him. He was so smart. And he allowed himself to lose the argument. And so a few people like walked by and were like, why didn't you speak up? And he just said, I'm trying to learn that I don't always have to have the last word. So my practice is letting other people finish the argument, even if they are totally 100% wrong. It sounds like torture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And you sit there and you're like, but he created a practice to work on something that was creating pride in his life. And I'm like, that's that's where I, I'm, I'm trying to see. And that's what I see in, this, in the text. Yeah, it's almost like this thing of even when you lose, you win. I know like Sam, like I, I really don't enjoy conflict at all. You know what I mean? Because, and I think part of it is because like, there is this competitive thing that wants to win. And I know there's something inside of me that's almost like, I will stop at nothing to destroy you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're laughing. Appreciate the honesty. I, I'm, not, I will, I'm like, okay, if you want to go there, yeah. let's go there. And you will be demolished. You will be demolished. You will be demolished. And I will win. But then I won't have any friends. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and so like, this, I just don't like it. But I've noticed, at least in my marriage, like the times where my wife and I are the closest are after arguments. Mm-hmm. And I hate arguing. I don't even want, I'm like, let's not even, I'd rather not even speak, which is bad, like passive aggressive, not good at all. But I'd rather do that. But I saw that early in my marriage hurting my marriage. So like now, by the grace of God, like we're arguing more. But it's the craziest thing. Because like in my mind, argument means we don't like each other. But it's like after this argument, it's like, all right, cool. Let's let's go hang out. Like it's like. Why do you think that is that you think? I have a theory on why we think that. I think it's because our generation of parents didn't let us see them resolve conflict. Like, at least I know, like in my home, it was like, if there was an argument and kids walked in, it's like, what's going on? Hi, you know, like, let's just pretend in, and and in fairness, they were trying to keep us, you know, like protect us. But I think it actually did a disservice to us because we didn't see that, 
in a healthy way, working through conflict, even if it gets a little tense, is actually great for a relationship. Like, why do you think you thought that? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember ever seeing my parents argue. I I don't remember ever seeing that. So that could be a piece of it. And I also think part of it is just kind of how I'm wired, right? My brother, my little brother is the antithesis of Your brother's of on first take. Like, okay, he we loves, know he like, can argue. He lo- <laughs> like, he takes no greater joy than in getting into an argument. And uh, my dad's the same way. Like, he's like, dude, okay, that was great, but how can it be better, right? Or who messed up in this situation? I'm like, who cares who messed up? We had a good time. You know, so like, I think part of it's just kind of how I'm wired, um, you know? But it's like this thing of like, I'm the pe- I've always been the peacemaker, right? Middle kid, got two older sisters, a little brother. So like this idea of like being this peacemaker or being like the golden child or being like, the, you know what I mean? Like just this thing of like always having the right answer and always feeling like, okay, like I'm here for you. Does that make sense? Because I feel like I think he's I, a nine. He's not a seven. He's a closet he a nine. Closet. Because yeah. I feel like, well, we are in a closet right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know what is. I don't even know what, a, what is a nine. Nine's a peacemaker. Huh. Yeah. You and Christian should talk. Yeah. Yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. I think I like Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like there's this thing of like arguing is bad and it feels bad. You know what I mean? I didn't understand even as even listening to you, Sam, talk about about being an eight, which is a a, a challenge, a challenger, or an arguer, or a disagree, or just like I want to be. It's like. I never saw that as, I saw that as like, well, you don't like me or you don't like my ideas or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, but I never understood it as like, oh no, like I want to connect with you. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm challenging yes. you. And like for me as a seven or maybe a nine, like it's like, <laughs> hey, like I love you. That's why I want there to be peace. Or it's like, hey, like, like that's why I want there to be like this, like options of like, let's do this or maybe let's do that because like, I think this will be better for all of us, you know? And, and even Steve, like the, the, the competitor in you, it's like, I see greatness. I want us to reach this, this level. You know, I just feel like if we lean into more of these spaces that we're not used to, whether for me, it's, it's like arguing, not even, it's not even the argument part. It's me showing my frustration or my anger or my, um, or just my humanity you it's, know, it's you. It's you showing up, not being perfect. Yes, it's, it, and you not being in control of what might happen. And and so sometimes, even my wife and I will just kind of joke and be like, "Okay, I know in some areas of my life I am a sixty-five-year-old man, and other areas of my life I'm exactly my age, and a lot of areas of my life I'm nine years old." Yeah, because I, I I wasn't I wasn't taught. I didn't wasn't given a map. wasn't given those skills. So how do I become kind to myself? And say, hey, um, and how am I? How do I extend that kindness and reserve where I think they should be? But go, this is a safe place to to learn. It's, it, it, in raising kids, like it's a safe place, Emerson, my son. Like you don't have to be perfect, and you can do it wrong. You know, it's a safe, it's a safe it's place. It's so hard though, Steve. I mean, like me as a parent, and I hate to cut you off. Yeah, but like me as a parent. Like I catch I like myself. Your conflict of cutting me off. Yeah, right? I know. Good, I'm good, yeah. I know. good job, man. We take your space. Immediate <laughs> growth. This is amazing. Immediate like growth. Hey, our job's done here, Ponder. <laughs> this was actually an intervention. <laughs> is this why I'm here, guys? Can we, can we open the door. And Gazi's gonna walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Art podcast over. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, it's like, like, oftentimes, I wish I could just get out of my kid's way. Period. Because I see some of the imperfection in me coming out in them. And I'm like, oh, it like it breaks my heart. Cause like I didn't even want, I didn't even want that to be your story. And I know, and like, you know what I mean? Like, this is just I'm just being 
honest or real, which is, I mean, like, I'm like, let me just get out of their way. And what I don't see oftentimes is the good, is the, like, man, like, Caleb is so loving. Like, Caleb, one translation means friend. Like, he literally is a friend to all. You know I mean? I feel like a little a bit scout. of scout. Yeah, yeah, like, literally, you walk in and scouts just wants to, just, just to welcome you and host you. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, and, but sometimes I'm like, no, don't, don't be so friendly. You could be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. I, I won't say it that way, but it's like, no, no, don't, don't. Like, he just loves people. And, like, how do we as parents just get out of the way? Is that our job to get out of the way? Obviously, the Bible says, like, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, he won't depart from it. Like, I get that part. But I, so much of me wants to give my kid all the good in me, but not all the bad in me. Yeah, wanting them to be perfect, which is just, like, setting all of us up for failure. The kid, because the expectation is unreasonable, and us, because clearly they're not going to be perfect. But in that verse that you're talking about, like, I just love that it doesn't say train them up and when they're older, they won't have issues because we all like, I mean, I think, you know, no matter how great your parents are, my parents are awesome. Like you get older and we're all a mess, like in our all in our different ways. And some of it is from our parents. And some of it is just because we're all little sinners, you know, like, (laughs) like some of it is just the human condition, but that's with (laughs) our kids, like trying to figure out, like, just help them navigate their issues, you know, like not try and pretend like they don't exist. I mean, that already one of my like triggers I've found is if I notice like insecurity or uncertainty in my kids, which just started showing up like in kindergarten, just like, oh, well, she writes better or she's reading faster or she got this award or whatever. Everything in me is like, no, 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 you can do just what she can, you know? And then I realized like, what if that, that that what what has I've translated as like bad, you know, like, oh, you think you're less than her. What if that quality that she has is actually going to make her an incredible encourager of other people? Like, what if those things that I see as like, oh, she's not confident enough, you know, like, because I like came out of the womb, like I'm here yeah. now, like, I'm, you know, <laughs> like that I was just different, that I am then interpreting her strengths through my weaknesses. Yeah. You know, which is scary when you start to realize that you're doing that. And I've found that one of the best things I can do in in those situations, and I still have no clue what I'm doing. And my oldest kid is five. So, I mean, take all this back if it, it doesn't go well. <laughs> but like one of the best things that I think I've, I've worked on these past few years is instead of making statements, just ask questions. Like, why do you feel that way? You know, like, why does that matter to you? Why do you think that's a big deal? Is that a, is that a big deal or a little deal? We always say that in our house and, and helping them process their thoughts instead of just taking on your thoughts. Because I think I did that as a kid a lot is like my parents were very strong people and had strong opinions and are great people. But I kind of just like took on their thoughts instead of like, what do I actually think? You know, and I want my kids to grow up having a confidence in their own mind and in God through them, not in like, well, this is what my mom says, you know? I I mean, you think about that, like you, you were able to be responsible for something that you didn't necessarily want to be. And now you're helping you, you're helping your children learn to be responsible for something like not because of you, but what? they can become, you know? And, and like the 10 commandments, it says like, honor your father and mother. We always think it means like, just do what they say, do what they say, do what they say. That's not what it meant. It meant take it farther 
that's how you honor your mother and father. Like they've, they were able to take it to here and now they handed you a baton. How are you taking it farther? Not going backwards. And Wait, so that's I, like the translation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so when I you think about that. honor, it's like this they, actually was an intervention for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, My parents live down the street. Yeah, right, right, right. And, so, and so I think like that, that amazing piece is you're helping them translate for today better. You're, you, you've provided and set them up and you've, you're having certain conversations and even the way you reframe that from responsible to, no, what if she can be an amazing encourager? That, and gosh, that's amazing. And you know, I, I, I joke about this all the time. We know we're great parents when our kids go to counseling for different reasons than we go because I, because I have not passed on the brokenness. I will pass on some brokenness. But I think when we look at our kids, they are mirrors to our beauty and brokenness. And there's so often I see in Emerson or I see in my daughter, Mercy, I, those same exact things, Sam, like, oh, I just, I wanna protect them. I wanna protect them, so don't be that kind of person. Um, instead of, I don't know, what if there's something so beautiful in that, that that's gonna become kind of that encourager or that's gonna become just, oh my goodness, a true marker and characteristic and of who they are and how do I get behind that and almost bless it, encourage it, do whatever I can to, to let them live more and more into that. Because how terrible would it be? I mean, I was just thinking about this. If I raised, because one of the things that helped me have relative success early on in life was just tuning people out. Like if people said like, you can't do this or there were better people, I mean, they were always like, better looking or smarter or be more athletic or whatever around me. But I still kind of had this confidence. I was like, no, I'm good. Like I'll, I can do it. What if me trying to pass that on to my daughter when she's noticing the skills and strengths of other people around her then made her, gosh, this is like blowing my own mind because I'm just now realizing this. What if it made her then, me, me saying like, don't notice them. You know, the thing that I did that was helpful for me. If I was like, don't, who cares what they think or what they do? Like you just focus on like basically what got me to my spot and her entire future was supposed to revolve around being a builder up, builder upper, <laughs> someone who builds others up. Um, I like builder upper. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a Chip and Joanna But like that, that whatever profession she has someday or her role in her family or whatever would be, that's the foundation of that is noticing the people around her. Like I would hate to screw that up in her because that's what worked for me. Yeah, it's like a couple of stuff, like that's awesome, Sam, because that's like, I think so many parents struggle with that. Like wanting, like look at the amount of competition there is. Like, like look at the amount of like for, for your kids, but it's really for you. Cause like my kid is the smartest or the best this or the best that. Like I see a dad in our neighborhood in Chicago, rain or shine, snow, hail or sleet. He's always outside with his son throwing the throwing the football or hitting swinging the baseball or kicking the soccer ball or got the lacrosse. Like it doesn't even matter. And a part of me, like part of me is like, okay, maybe this is good. Like, oh, I used to throw my the ball with my son. But part of it also could be You're like, you're not gonna make yeah, it. Yeah, like, he's too short. No, but it's like he's not athletic enough. You know, but it's like this dad, maybe uh, you gotta be this super great athlete. And maybe the kid just is a super great artist. Yeah. Right? Like well, I, yeah, like like or maybe the kid loves it and the dad's like, I don't know how to throw football. And I'm just, but he loves it and I'm doing it. You know, maybe, maybe he's like, I don't, I, I hate lacrosse, 
but he wants to do it. You know, like it, it, it could be totally I'm more the opposite. Because there's so yeah. many dads that <laughs> are like, yeah. my kids go yeah. to the league. No, yeah. I think I think you're totally right. And there's there's so many. Uh, there's an amazing book called The Drama of the Gifted Child, and literally it's about parents finding their identity and self worth in the success of their kids, and it's 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 rampant. But but I just think about like it's hard. It's just really really hard to like stop. And like, look at your kids and see the giftedness in them. There's this guy uh, in Chicago. In Chicago, we started this this like a kids science lab place where like kids can learn how to do science at a really young age. And he started it because he saw that his kids didn't have anywhere where they could learn science like the right way. And he's like a scientist, whatever. Anyways, and I asked him. He has three kids, and I could tell like I had my my one year old there, and I feel like he was trying to sell me a little bit on his idea. So I asked him, I said, hey, man, you started this 10 years ago. How are your kids doing in science now? Right? Like, how are they doing in their school? One's 14, one's maybe 11, the other one's six or so. And he actually was honest. He said, honestly, man, like, my oldest one, like, we put her in this. And she, she like, didn't have as much experience as the younger ones because she was already older when we started. And, like, she gets it. But the teachers have said, like, if she's not interested, she'll tune out. But if she is, she'll just be all in. You know, and she said, he said, my middle chip, my middle kid um, that I couldn't even get them to go because they were just way more interested in the arts. You know, now my and then he said, but my youngest one now, that's the scientist. And and it was just cool because it was like, oh, my gosh, like you have this thing that you love as a parent. Right. This guy he's a scientist himself. But he actually said, you know what, I'm going to look, I'm going to give my kids some tools and try and put them in these things if they like it. But I'm going to see them for who they are. They're all different, right? Like one's got this thing that he loves. Another one's the opposite. Another one's got a combination. Another, I mean, it's like like how great would it be if we as parents could just like instead of being like the super mom or super dad, it's like, you know what? We're going to be like the super lover and encourager of our kids. Sam, like you said, it's like I'm going to see Scout and say, man, like what if this? she has this empathetic thing? I'm just going to like push her there. Or with me, with Caleb, it's like, man, he's got this thing where he just like, loves being with people. Let me just go, go with people. Right. Or, my, or Sophia, who just wants to like, like her teachers were like, man, she just, she loves art. Right. So I bought her a little, like a pencil, like a crayon thing. You know what I mean? And just like, here, go, you know, but like oftentimes I think teachers see that in kids, not parents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm in this weird thing right now, which is so opposite of everything that I feel like culture says and also the way I was raised where it's like you play three sports a year and your mom's going to show, I mean, this is all good stuff, but like your mom's going to introduce you to art and piano and dad was in the backyard playing all these things with me. And you're like always doing these things. And I think some of it was in an effort to like figure out like, what's my kid into? What's their gifting? I, I don't know why. And maybe this will change because my kids are so little. I have this like newfound I don't know, almost obsession with like doing less. Like I don't want to do this like car life where you're just taking kids from one thing to the next and it's and and look, that might eventually happen, but I feel like we start out, we like jump on board and then we never stop till the day they leave our house, right? And then I look back and I, you know, I grew up playing three sports a year and yeah, sports are a huge part of my life now, but I'm like I wonder if I would have been good at something else. You know, like it, it became this, like, this is just what you do. And sometimes I wonder if we spent more time just observing our kids, like in the natural, 
right? Observing them interacting with their siblings, observing them playing in the yard. Like what do they gravitate towards? Like what are the things I hear them saying or talking about? Or when we're on a walk, like what are the subject matters that they're bringing up without kind of like this formal, like this is, you know, what activity are you going to do today? Just kind of giving margin to their lives in a way that I think a lot of us growing up didn't necessarily have it. I'm not saying we never had time to play, but just everything was very structured in terms of free time that I'm hoping then will allow me to like, you don't want to push a kid in a certain direction, but just kind of notice some of their natural inclinations. I, I think it's amazing. I mean, um, there was a journalist who interviewed Michelangelo, not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Sam. <laughs> Damn, uh, you know that. Yeah, 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 but he, he was one time standing next to this massive like chunk of marble, and they're asking him, like, how did you create like the Pieta? How did you create David? How did you do that? And he looks at the marble, and he goes, it's in there. All I just need to do is cut away the dead pieces. And, and I think the same thing is true like with our kids, like the divine, the image, the characteristics, the goodness, the skills. And I think slowing it down so that you can see it and go, do you see who you are? Mm -hmm. Like, do you see? And oftentimes when I imagined having a son, I imagined a mini me. Yeah. I imagined a little point guard. I imagined us sitting watching Michigan. I, imagined, I created a story about how much my son was gonna love sports. He doesn't. Yeah. The dude's read 300 books last year. I mean, he is off wow. the charts brilliant. He's so sensitive and he's so much like my wife and he's amazing. And it's taken me a while to understand that because mm. it took me years to go, no, this is what I expect. He's gonna, be, yeah. he's gonna be playing three sports and he's gonna, yeah. and because that was my experience and I had to realize, wait, that wasn't really great. So who is this kid? And and I can force him to try and be me, which will crush him, mm. or I can actually encourage him to be who I think God's made him to be, which will crush my expectations yeah. and dreams and actually be better for me. And I'll and so when you say it's hard, I relate to that because it's it is hard. Don't it, you think it's answering the question, who is my child for? Like we operate like they are for us. Like these little like flyers for our like personal business, you know, like their advertisement for us. And I think that's kind of the the death in your mind that you have to process is like this, you are not for me. Like God created you through me, but like this is not to like fix me or to make me feel better or so that I can have this little buddy who's just like me forever, yes, <laughs> you know, yes. like trying to, I love the example you used though about the Michelangelo thing, because that's why it just sparked something in my mind where I was like, why is it that we're always trying to find our children's talents and not their qualities, like character qualities? We're always looking for like, are they good at art? Are they good at soccer? Are they a good singer? Instead of like, is my child more naturally empathetic or kind or generous or, and then feeding those things like, oh, you're generous. Okay. Well, let's start taking you around to different places. And, or do you have like more of a business mind? Are you kind of always, we have <laughs> one of our children, maybe I shouldn't say who we always call her. I mean, no, it's a Donald Trump book, so it's a sensitive subject, but we always, every time she walks in, we're like the art of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. this child could sell anything yes. to anyone, you know, like, and we started realizing like, 
maybe those are things instead of like skills, like a, a team you can be on, yes. like character traits, instead of asking a child, like, what job do you want when you grow up? Like, what kind of person do you want to be? Like, what do you want your life to look like? Who are the type of people you want to be around? It. I just, I feel like sometimes I think back and even like on a day-to-day basis, the things I naturally ask my kids or that we, what we ask them in school, like, why do we care so much about your occupation when at the end of our lives, we're not like, she was an amazing dentist, <laughs> you know? Nobody says that yeah. at the funeral. It's more about like the type of person you were, not like the thing you did. You guys, yeah, I know, I'm gonna say this as a three, I was a I was a soccer coach for the Orange Monkey Fireballs. Yes. And we went we went nine and what up. It was, it was awesome. It was <laughs> awesome. Put that on your Twitter yeah, totally. profile. I don't know, no, former coach of the Orange Monkey. But like one of the funniest things was I I I heard one parent just like kind of affirming their own kid. And it was just like all in talent. And it bothered me. So like uh, this was just out of practice. And so I, I just I don't know, this maybe the pastor in me, but I like I got no cards. And I wrote down the number and the name of a kid and I gave it to a different parent. So what they didn't have their own kid. And all I said was, you have to write down a characteristic that you saw in this kid. And after the game, you're gonna hand it to me and I'm gonna read it. Week one, Johnny, you scored the best goal. Like they didn't know how to do it. And like, we don't. I, we, you know, you, you don't like, and so you sat there and I was like, oh my goodness. I have to like teach these parents mm-hmm. how to actually see exactly what you're talking about. So I, I finally like had the assistant coach like do the warm ups next game. I said, no, 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 I'm not looking for when they score. I'm not looking for when they like stop the goal. I'm looking for, were they encouragement? Were they mm-hmm. humble? Were they like, do they have grit? Like mm-hmm. name that. By the end of the year, I mean, like you would read these note cards and it was like tears in my eyes. Yeah. It was so beautiful. But really, like, that's not how we often think. And it's like, how do we train our brain to see that? And man, like encourage the art of the deal in the kid and encourage the encourager in your child. Um, but man, I think our fear is we look at our kids as, well, that's my validation mm-hmm. or that's my retirement plan. We joke, we like <laughs> yeah. you hear this and it's not like, no, 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 this is, this is a gift from God that I really wanna help become everything that they were created to be. And we're actually helping them leave us, um, not stay cleave to our identity and yes. image. And it's it it's so, so hard. We're raising adults, not yes. children. Like that concept of like, you know, raising kids. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to raise great adults who yes. don't need me, who hopefully want to live close and be friends. <laughs> but but that that's the goal is to create these autonomous healthy, capable adults. I thought of something when you said that in terms of like, how do we, how do we kind of unlearn what we've all learned? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like firefighter or whatever. How do we unlearn that and teach it to our kids? I, I think even for myself, like I have to start with myself. Yes. Like what are the qualities I have? Like starting to draw them out in me and then notice them in other people, you know, and call them out in other people instead of like, you know, I know one of the things I've experienced being married to Christian and Sam, I'm sure you experienced this too. It's like, what does anyone ever want to talk to you about? Football. Football. You know, that's it. Like even within your own families, you like go to like Thanksgiving or whatever. And it's like, oh, this coach and this coach. And they don't mean it in a bad way, but what's it teaching you? That that's your value, right? 
Like not talking about the areas like, man, where are you seeing opportunity to like connect in your community or be generous or like, man, what are you struggling with? It's always just like your occupation everywhere I go. It's like, whoa, what, you know, what's Chris Berman like? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, and that, yeah, that's a whole other thing. But like, <laughs> that's my, my goal for myself is to start noticing things that actually matter in me. And then especially talk to other people about those things. Cause it takes more work. It is lazy to talk to Sam Macho about football. It's lazy. It's just like the low hanging fruit. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just the easy, like whatever. It takes a lot more to be like, man, like what relationships are you building in your life right now? Like, what are you really seeing for this? And what, how are you connect? What's things like at home right now? You know, it just takes so much more effort to kind of draw those things out of people. And I don't, I don't want to be the creepy person that barely knows someone that's like, oh, let's talk about your dear. <laughs> how have you been kind recently, you know? But to start doing that with myself so that it feels more natural with my yes. kids. I'm just really enjoying listening to y'all talk. Like, this is like super helpful for me. And hopefully for everybody else listening as well, there's this book uh, called, I believe it's called The Boy, The Mole, The Wolf, and The Horse by a guy named Charlie Kasky, I think his name is. And I just, I picked it up and just started looking through it. And the first, like the beginning of the book, this boy is talking to this mole and, and the mole says, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the boy says, I want to be kind. I want to be kind, and then and they go on talking, and 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 they talk, and they walk, and they and they meet this wolf, and they see this wolf who's caught in a trap, and the wolf looks at the mole and says, "If I was, if I got out of this trap, I would eat you, I would kill you, you know," and the mole says, "Well, if you stay in that trap, you'll die," and so the mole goes on and chews the the rope and gets him out of that trap, and they start kind of walking together and walking, and they see this horse. And it's the biggest thing they've ever seen. It's like the largest, most grandiose thing they've ever seen. And they start walking with the horse and they start going and going. And, and all of a sudden the horse, you know, is talking a little bit and he says, hey, I've got a secret for you guys. And they say, hey, well, what's that? He says, I can fly. And look at him like kind of with a surprised look. And he keeps on going. He says, but I stopped because it was embarrassing the other horses. And they pause, they look at him and they say, it's okay. We still love you. And little by little, as I start walking, the horse spreads its wings and starts to fly. And as they start going, they start noticing that the, the, the fox or the wolf hadn't said too much. And they said, man, the fox seems like he's not talking too much. And I, as I'm reading, I was expecting like the fox to be like, well, it's okay. I talk. But it, they, they just said, well, it's okay. We still love him regardless. And it was this thing of like, come as you are. No pretenses, no occupation, no political party. Just come as you are. What do you want to be? I want to be kind. You know, they asked the mole, and the, the boy asked the mole, he, he says, what do you do when you get angry? Like, what do you do when you get upset or frustrated or anxious? And the mole says, I like to just to go and find a quiet place, like find a room, and I just close my eyes, and I just think. And the boy says, what do you think about? And the mole says, cake. <laughs> just to think about cake. You know, it's like this thing of like, we don't have to have all the answers. I think about... Obviously, like, like one of my, you know, sooner or later we're going to have a, one, one of our episodes I would love to talk about. We're going to talk about, like, what makes a good coach or a good teacher. But I had this teacher. Her name was J.T. Sutcliffe. She taught algebra in, 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 in high school. And, and she, she would always, she had this thing. She would always, like, equate everything, for me at least, 
to football, right? So it'd be like, man, you know, I don't understand, like, you know, whatever it's X squared or you know A plus B, A plus B, whatever. And and she's like, well, Sam, it's like football, you know. And she'd go on to use this great example that actually would really click in my mind. But I always hated when she would compare it to football because I it was almost like, well, people are going to think that oh, I'm just this dumb football player. But for her, it's almost this loving thing of like, hey, let me help you get from point A to point B because I love you and I care about you. I think about like if she would have, let's say she's like, oh, I don't want to embarrass Sam, so I'm not going to put that. I think about like the best coaches I've been a part of. I had this coach in Chicago. His name was Vic Fangio. And he like, because me like wanted to be perfect and the guy who's always got the right answers and and I always wanted to do it just the way the coach taught. And we actually, he, Vic was our defensive coordinator and our, but he loved coaching linebackers. That's when he started. He started off coaching linebackers. And so our linebacker coach got fired and we were still looking for a new linebacker coach. So in that offseason, Vic actually coached the outside linebackers, which is my position group. And we would just sit with them and be watching film. And I, I remember learning so much. And it was just interesting because being in that room with him, like close and hearing him and seeing him do what he loved, like I used to always think that success was, for me at least, was doing it the exact way he wrote down on the paper or the exact picture that I saw. But what became very apparent was, I mean, it became apparent because he said it. He said, Sam, like at the end of the day, like I'm just going to give you the tools. You're the one out on the field. You can see things I can't see. You can feel things I don't feel as a coach up in the box or over on the sideline. I want to give you the tools and I want you to make, make the play come to life. And that freed me up, Sam, to have my best season in years. Why? Because I can see things that the coach didn't see. Or I can even hear things that the coach didn't hear or even feel. Like there's a certain thing about, I mean, Steve, I'm sure you get it when you teach, when you're teaching. And I've, I've, I've seen you teach. And Sam, when you're doing your thing, not only with your kids, not only like TV is great. but Sam, I just, you just figured out what I did for a living. True story. I know. Straight I up. Know, <laughs> tell like, story. Halfway yeah. through the season, they're like, "You're on Un- countdown." <laughs> oh wow! I didn't like, realize. I've known I you for a decade, <laughs> dear Lord. It, was it does make me feel like you really love me for me, though, Sam. I appreciate it. Was that. Funny. I didn't even know. Like, I knew Sam was on TV, but it was like, I never really watched, you know. And then like I got signed, and I was on the, and then like they had the TVs on before the game, so I'm like, "That's my friend. My friend's right. on TV." <laughs> I would he text texted her. me like it was my first day on TV. Like, what? Oh, you're great. Great job. I was like, Sam, I've been doing this for 15 years. I would tell all my teammates, I was like, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's amazing. Oh, Oh, my God. Sorry, I just had to. No, but it was this thing of like, like we have different skills. And it's like you have a certain feel on TV or even like I've seen you even just being in your closet and at your house. (laughs) Like just even with your kids, like the way you're like, you're quick to like, and even hearing you talk, like you're quick to like slow down and say, no, let me bring out the best in you. Like there are certain things that we all have that I feel like as parents – or as coaches, or as teachers, or as guides, to just almost be like, hey, like, I'm going to give you some tools, but but you're the one who's out there. I'm going to empower you. You make the call. And like, I use football as, as an example. Like, there's certain things that I'll hear or that I'll see on the field that the coach didn't talk about, but I know. Yeah. I know this is about to happen. So there's a risk involved. Because if I, like, coach didn't teach me that, but I know, right? But he empowered me to say, no, go and do. And it's like, Sam made a point about perfection. Um, you know, it's like, somebody said, what is it? Is it the enemy of, of, of good? Connection. The enemy of connection is perfection. But also there's a saying like the enemy of 
of good is perfect or something like that. It's like we all try to be perfect and perfect and perfect. It's like, no, just simplify things, right, and just go. But Sam, don't you think you're able to do that because of the empowerment of other people? I think about this all the time, that like that's one of my jobs as a parent is to teach my child to trust their own capability, not to think they're perfect or that they don't need help or coaching or advice, but that there's something in them that you know when you go out on the field, even if you're taught to do one thing, if you see something and you've got that instinct, that's what separates great players or people from the average, if you will. I mean, maybe that's bold to say that, but just that thing inside of them where you can tell, and Christian will say this at the beginning of uh, his career, I'm not speaking for him, he's said this on numerous occasions, but that he was just always so hesitant you know, like he, he always played to like, please his dad or his coach or whatever that like, he didn't trust his own capability. So like Christian, probably NFL fans who watched him didn't know this, but like he was a great runner, but they never let him run. And he, if they told him you do this or this, he was going to do it. Now in today's NFL, he would have been great because like they allow you to do so much more of that. It's kind of what, um, in Chicago, what they should have been doing more with Mitchell Trubisky yeah. is like, you know, play to this guy's strengths, like let him be an athlete and let him do what some of these other guys that are, are younger are starting to do. My point is to say one of the most powerful things we can do is teach our children that no, they're not perfect, but they are capable. Like your mind is good. Your mind is again, not perfect, but you are able to like trust yourself and your own instincts and your, and you should check them and always like have people who are, uh, you know, authorities in your life to keep you accountable on things. But I think that's why you're able to do what you're able to do is because you're coachable, but you also deep down trust yourself. That's so good. I mean, I, I think helping our kids uh, turn off the noise and, and really, you know, trust the good that's within them because they can trust the tools that they've been given from the people who brought them into this world, who all they want, not as for these kids to validate them, but these adults, these parents to empower them to be what they were made to be. And I just, I think that's so often, um, these, I feel like so many kids and are walking this earth and they're sh they can't shut the noise down. Mm -hmm. and, they're, and it's like, please, this person, true this thing. And I just, and not learning to trust that, you know, and, or being put in an environment where they're able to, feel that empowerment or those tools or get a map to be able to do this. And I think that's, that's one of the gifts of parents is what, and you talk about a great coach, a great guide. It's like, I gave you what you need. You have everything you need right now to be successful on that field, you know, and, or successful in life. And I think, um, sure. Is it, is adversity going to come? Yeah. But I've given you the tools. Is fear going to come? Of course, but you've got the tools and you've got what it takes. Like that, that, sense of resiliency is I think one of the greatest things that we can give to our our kids and unleash within them. Who are the coolest, most attractive, desirable people? Like I know when I, I think back over my life from middle school to college to now like in the business world, they're always the people who are like confident in their own thing. Even if it's freaking weird. Yeah. You know, like even if it's something that I would never do or never wear or never, you know, like who are those people? They're the people who trust their own thing. 
you know, that, and I'm not saying we all have the desire for validation. I'm not saying there are any people who are just completely on an island, don't care what anybody thinks, but like, why is Cam Newton able to trot out like he trots out at every press conference? Because there's something in him that thinks like, I don't, this is me. Like, I'm going to do this no matter what Twitter says or whatever. And that is admirable to me. Like, I want children who, whatever those things are for them, it doesn't have to be fashion or what you wear or whatever, but like that there are things within them that even if everybody on the playground is like, that's lame, like, no, this is cool because this is my thing. You know, like if we could all, even as, I mean, we're talking about kids, shoot, as adults feel that way. Like I have a friend who always says like, trust your dopeness. And as, <laughs> and as much as that's yeah. not really something I would necessarily say, I love it. Like not because we are all good, but because there is something in each of us that if we believe we were created by a perfect being, there is something in us that is awesome, like in the truest sense of the word. And even more so, like created by a creative being. Mm -hmm. Like I think about the creativity of God. It's like, dude, no two people have the same fingerprints. You know what I mean? Like no two, even twins. My wife has a my wife is a twin. They're opposite. Like even people, if they look alike, they're different. Like we're all wired you uniquely different. Like, how great would it be if this world could just see the good in all of us and the bad, right? I love the example of, man, trust your dopeness and, you know, the, your, you know our kids be able to go and be like, yeah, this is my style. But also what I love is my my son be able to say, man, like, they made fun of me and that really hurt my feelings. Mm, like, yeah. to he's verbalized that. A couple, he told me that the other day. He's like, you did something and it really hurt my feelings. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. But like, dude. The fact that you can even say that, yeah. like that is dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And in in your journey, that's been something you've been learning to do. And you think about Caleb's doing this, and he's five. Yeah. Like, well done. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Like you and Gazi have created an environment where he's taken it farther. Yeah. And and as you get more and more of those opportunities, man, that's 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 the gift. But I think for all of us. May we just trust our dopeness. <laughs> yes. It's even a new name of the podcast. Yeah. Trust yes. your dopeness. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you can listen to your podcasts. And you can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at Home Team Pod. And on Instagram, at Home Team underscore pod we'll be back next week and until then trust your dopeness haha <laughs> talk to you then